Hi everyone, I'm Melanie, the editor of Beautifully Brown, and welcome to the first podcast episode, Beautifully Brown Podcast. I mean, I guess I'm going to call it that. (laughs) I have my best friend, Julianka, here, and I'm really excited to kick off the podcast with my best friend because we have such interesting journeys as brown girls, and I love her point of view on so many things, and... We grew up in a very interesting um, neighborhood in Maryland, Prince George's County. And Julianka is biracial. She is Filipina and African-American. And I've always been really intrigued by her story or what I might not have known about her story, being a brown girl who was biracial growing up in a predominantly black African-American environment. So I brought Julianka on to the first episode. Thank you for kicking off the first episode with me, babe. Thanks for inviting me. We have our um, drinks. Yes, tequila and Jack. <laughs> and we are ready to talk some real brown girl stuff. Um, but yes, thank you for coming. You're welcome. I'm so excited. We're in my room, like chilling. Julianka is ready to talk everything about growing up in PG County. Um, so let's get started because I don't know how to do this podcast thing. <laughs> so I'm about to just you got this. Keep girl. it moving. Keep it moving. Um, all right. So what we want to talk about today is what it was like being biracial in Prince George's County. And I asked you that question because I can remember being in Maryland, being in PG County, growing up there, and I can't fathom what it could have been like. Not in a bad way, but just like what it could have been like to be like maybe one of very few biracial black girls or brown girls um, in an area that was completely dominated by black people. And people always talk about what it's like to grow up in an all white neighborhood as maybe like a biracial or black person. But I think there's something to talk about growing up in a predominantly black neighborhood when you are biracial and particularly like. The way you look, you know, if anyone knows Julianka, if you follow me on Instagram, because I'm obsessed with her, uh, Julianka is, you know, light skin, you have long hair, um, it's very curly, and like nowadays, there is like a praise that I think the black community battles, like praising like black girls who look like you in a way, and you, that's not, that's not your fault, that's who you are, you're beautiful, but... I wanted to get your POV on what it was like because I don't think I ever knew and I'm just nosy. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, can you talk about your heritage and like what it was like growing up um, black and Filipina? Yeah, sure. So my dad is from Chicago, born in, well, he was born in Mississippi and then moved to Chicago as a lot of people in that area do. And he was in the military. He was in the Navy. And he was stationed in the Philippines for three years. And he met my mom in this small province called Pampanga. Uh, Clark, well, I think it's Clark. Clark Naval Air Force Base is stationed outside of there. And that's where he met my mom. And then they had me. And then he told her to finish school and moved her over to California and waited a few years. And then here I am. They had me. (laughs) He ended up getting stationed in D.C., And that's where I kind of grew up. I moved there when I was, 
I moved there when I was a few months old from Jacksonville, Florida, and then we left for a few years, for like a, a few months or up to a year to go to Italy, and then we ended up just staying in Fort Washington, Maryland, which is about 10 to 15 minutes outside of D.C. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. Um, as she said, Melanie said, PG County is predominantly black. Yeah. There are, where I grew up, there were some Filipinos, um, but for the most part, it's it's just, it's a black county. And you were in Fort Washington, right? I was in Fort Washington. Was I mean, we lived in D.C. for a little bit. Okay. Um, we were stationed on base, so it was a little diverse in that regard, but we bought a house when I was, like, going to first grade, and I lived in that house up until I left for college. Um, I went to a predominantly Filipino church, so I was in the Filipino community. And my sister, she is 16 years older than me. So when I was six years old, when we bought that house, she came to the, to she came from the Philippines to the U.S. and moved in with me. And mm-hmm. my sister is half white and half Filipino. Okay. So we had a lot going on in our family. <laughs> you know, I appreciate it in so many ways. But you know, my father is a brown skinned man. My mom is full blown Filipino, had an accent. Right. Um, you know, we would say like fresh off the boat. She was a fob. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's called a fob. A fob. I have yeah. never heard that. She's fresh off the boat, real fobby. <laughs> real fobby. And then my sister, I think she did a really good job of Americanizing, but she she came here when she was sixteen. So just imagine, when, you know, coming moving anywhere when you're sixteen, like yeah. you're very much entrenched in Filipino culture. That's what you know. And so that's that's kind of my heritage. Um, so I was all it was always like a tug of war. Yeah. Growing up in PG County, going to school. I mean, very early on, I remember hearing a lot of prejudice things. Like what? Like what would people say? Just well, okay. So one, we got a lot of stares. Okay. Because he was black and your mother my mom was Asian. Asian. My sister looks like Asian and white. She has curly brown hair, and she's fair-skinned. Filipinos are a little darker. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, I look just like whatever you think I look like. You know, I've heard so many different things. Um, so I got a lot of stares. A lot of people, like, not really knowing that that was my mom. Mm-hmm. So being six years old, and they'll say something to me, kind of like, oh, are you lost or something? And I'm, like, standing two feet away from my mother. Which is uncomfortable because you're like, what? My mom's right there. Right. You don't really understand it, but you're forced to make sense of all of that. And then I think around like third grade, that's when people just started saying things. Like kids would kids. say, I mean, I think like most kids always, if you see like an Asian person, you always, not you, but like people always say, oh, your mom's Chinese. Mm. It's like they always is, just, and no, no. you're Chinese. Everybody's just Chinese. Like, no, I'm not Chinese. <laughs> And then I, I remember, like, being in elementary school and being very ashamed of being biracial and not really understanding where those emotions were coming from. But I was embarrassed, I guess, yeah. so to say. And it was a battle because during the day I was going to school with mostly black people. There were, like, maybe a few white, maybe, like, four white people in my class and, like, two Middle Eastern kids. Mm-hmm. Predominantly black. I had, like one or two biracial friends but they weren't really around their 
their like non-black parent, I guess. Okay. Like their parent had passed away, or like maybe it was like a grandmother, but they kind of had like, a, yeah. you know, mixed look, I guess. So, it was just me to be honest. All my other friends were just they just claimed black. It wasn't yeah. their parent. They weren't a part a product of an interracial marriage, and so. People would say things like the Chinese thing. They would, you know, like kind of laugh at our family. Just like subtle things. Mm-hmm. But I just, it got to a point where I was embarrassed and I didn't want to be seen around my parents. As like uncomfortable that. as that is. Like, I, it was like, I was ashamed to be biracial for so long. And then when I got to middle school, people just really start coming in with the, yeah. the stereotypes. Middle like, people were like, worst. oh yeah, oh, it, was, it was awful. Like, people would say... Oh, did your mom pack you cat this morning? Like, yeah, that is so <laughs> just crazy, crazy. things. Oh, and my God. I, it, it had so this embarrassment lasted all through middle school, all through elementary school, and then kind of through high school. To be honest, really, um, we yeah. went to the same high school. For people listening, yeah, we went to an all girls school. And just to give you a little bit of context, it was it was it was just very binary. It was black and white. There were maybe a handful of Asians. You didn't think it was that, diverse? I no. thought it was super diverse. At least not my class. It was black and white. It was like 50-50. But that's what kind of what Seton was yeah, known for. Yeah, that's kind of true. Being 50-50. I think I just talked to everybody. Like, I talked yeah. to, like, Jessica Lobo, who's Indian. Like, I, I talked to, like, different people. But There was a little more diversity in the upper class. Just to... She's a one year older yeah. than me. So, my class was just to me it was black and white and then there were like some latinas but not mm. real it wasn't yeah. really like temple university it wasn't diverse yeah, temple was in the like... way that like new york is diverse right so and then like okay so back to me going to a predominantly filipino church there was like one family that was biracial but the dad who was black never came to church my dad came to church but pretty much everyone was filipino and so my filipino friends i had grown up in this church my whole life would always say things about me being black they'd be like oh you must have got that from your black black friends or like they would say things like oh but you write like an asian i guess what? yes because i i don't know whatever like i guess the stereotype is like asians have small cute handwriting or something and um, so they would say, oh, you know, but you write like a Filipino, things like that. And so it was like everyone was kind of like nitpicking at all these things. And it was, I was very confused for a long time. Yeah. How did you, well, I mean, I know a little bit about you finally finding your, I guess, common ground with being biracial. But how did you handle it then? Like, do you feel like you suppressed it or do you feel like you just, because we were talking earlier and you were like, I didn't really tell my parents mm-hmm. a lot if I got bullied or whatever, like, you didn't tell them anything for the most part. Did you, like, suppress it? Did you just... How did you handle it? Do you remember? I never I never spoke to my parents about it. I wish I did in retrospect. Yeah. But I didn't. I dealt with it. Um, we just... I mean, we were a very loving family, but we weren't... Like, I wouldn't see my parents as, like, my therapist or my sister yeah. either. And I never even thought about going to them for that. You know, I just didn't say anything. Yeah. And dealt with it and and just... And I didn't really quite understand... Like, I didn't take the time to understand why I was feeling the things that I was feeling until I got to college. I never really understood that I was 
angry or like upset or uncomfortable embarrassed about being biracial until way after the fact I just dealt with the emotions and kind of like lashed out on my parents and moved on but never even put any thought into it yeah and it's almost like how can you do that when you're younger like you don't even have the Mm -hmm. the emotional like mental bandwidth to even think this is why I'm acting like this yeah exactly do you okay so I know this is gonna be a very hard question for me to ask and maybe for some people to hear because I don't want to make a general assumption, but do you ever recall black girls tormenting you for the way you looked, whether it was because you have long hair or because you're light skin or because you're men, I don't know, guys like you because I personally saw that when I was, especially in middle school, I saw like my best friend at the time, Jessica, she was Puerto Rican and black and she got so much hell from like non-mixed black girls. Like, did you go through that? I did actually. It was all in middle school. I had a middle, middle school. Middle school is the worst girl. <laughs> I, if I could erase girl. middle school, I would erase it. <laughs> I would erase every <laughs> second of it. Elementary school, I think people kind of just said things because their parents said it but for the most part in my elementary school we were all loving Mm -hmm. and everyone was friends I don't remember there being a lot of drama when I went to middle school though oh my gosh (laughs) they're like I swear every day I was about to get jumped (laughs) I was about to get I didn't know I mean it kind of is funny (laughs) when you look back but in the moment you're like nah bro you better jump me at the bus stop like it was like, I got a lot of light skin jokes, mm-hmm. you cute, you know, all the stereotypes that you take on because you're light skin with long hair and you fit that stereotype that black culture has been perpetuating for so long. I mean, people that I did, I, I remember like my first month of elementary school, I stayed, like I stayed close with my friends from, what did I say? My first week of middle school. Okay. I stayed close with my friends from elementary school, but then, you know, in middle school, they bring students from all these different elementary schools around the county i didn't know anyone but i was just like I'm, i was really shy when i was growing up yeah you you're still kind of shy sometimes. i am yeah. yeah i mean i'm like a little better but um back then it was like these are my friends i wouldn't say i was like standoffish but yeah you know i was a cheerleader i was i met people i, ha- I had friends at seaton i mean at seen not at seaton but at gwen park that's the, ele- the middle school that i went to but I mean, like, I remember all the eighth graders when I was in seventh grade coming to my friends like, I'm going to fight her because my boyfriend likes her because she has this because she wore this shirt. And it was just an ongoing thing. And it yeah. got to the point where in eighth grade, the reason why I went to Seton is because I went online and I looked up Seton. <laughs> like, I looked up schools. I looked up private schools. I really wanted to go to boarding school or something, which I don't know how. That's pre- I feel like it's it pretty rare. Random <laughs> but thing. I knew I didn't I knew I knew didn't want to go to my neighborhood public school, mm-hmm. so I just started looking up all these schools with another friend who went to elementary school with me. And we found Seton, and we ordered a brochure, and I asked my parents to send me there, and that's how <laughs> I ended up going there because I just knew I was going to get into a lot of trouble like, people were calling my parents, like, hey, Wait, hey, can I speak to Julianka? And then they, I would pick up the phone, and they'd be like, I'll see you at 4 p.m. <laughs> at your bus stop. You're like, like but, I'm going to bring my older cousin. It's like, I don't know who you are. Like, well, how did you get my number? <laughs> and I feel like a lot of it was, like, the light skin, pretty, your boyfriend likes me thing. And I don't necessarily know if it was, like, a mixed thing. 
Mm-hmm. It was never like, oh, because you're biracial. It was always like... Because of your your look. Your, yeah, my look, right? Um, so middle school was just a really... Girl, middle school was the worst. <laughs> I just feel... If I have children in the future, I just like... Can I just not have them go to... <laughs> Baby, just stay home. Because you don't even want yeah. these two years of your life. I don't think I learned anything. I just learned how to survive. Ain't nobody learned nothing <laughs> in middle school. I learned how to survive, too. Like, that's all I learned. Survival skills. <laughs> Straight up. But no, that's interesting. And I, it's kind of sad. But I remember seeing that in middle school. So that's why I really wanted to know if you went through it. And I remember feeling really bad Yo, for the oh. girls who went through that. It was either that or you're being teased. Or like, I didn't really get teased for my yeah, skin complexion. But... I was like chubby, mm-hmm. so everyone has something to say in middle school. Yeah, I now that I'm thinking about it, there was this one guy. He tried to light my hair on fire on the school bus. Let's find him. <laughs> Cause probably... I'm, let's pull up. <laughs> Where he at? I think he went to jail like shortly after, All right, cool. or like juvie or something. Well, if we see him in these streets <laughs> next time we home, yeah, but he was the one that was like the cat. You know, you eating cat for lunch. Oh, oh, I'm ready. Like, you remember what he looked like? I do. Okay. But this was so long ago. If he find this podcast, <laughs> I hope you know that if we see you in these streets. He it's... was like 16 in the eighth grade. Girl, <laughs> he probably in jail somewhere. Just saying. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we ain't up, right. Yeah. <laughs> we ain't right. <laughs> so messed up. Um, so we talked about, you know, like your family and the assumptions that people make, like the type of food y'all eat and stuff like that, which is so stupid. People are so ignorant. Um, but... I want to talk about the fetishization, the fetishization, if that's a word, of like mixed race, especially mixed race, like black and brown girls. And I want to know if you've experienced that. I mean, we talked about it a little bit before we started the podcast and you were like, you weren't sure if you experienced that personal like issue. Because it's like a weird fetish that some people have with like mixed race babies and like mm-hmm. kids. And you see it on Instagram, like these annoying ass Instagram accounts, like. I want my yeah. baby to look like this or whatever. Did you go through that? The people like, oh, you, you look exotic. And you like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think I always remember hearing that when I was a kid. I mean, back in the that day. That you looked exotic? It was like less of an exotic thing, but more like, oh, you have such nice hair, mm. you know. Your skin is so cute, you know, so so pretty, you know, all these things. And I remember getting like preferential treatment from people or like family members um that's interesting but i don't think that i don't remember hearing anyone say biracial or exotic when i was growing up or like mixed or mix i mean people said mixed people said mixed more than they said biracial yeah oh you're mixed that would make sense but biracial to me is like a new thing i mean i couldn't even check one i mean i think everyone knows this but like when i was growing up you couldn't really check like it was you had to check one right. box on the census, or when you applied for middle school, you had to check one box. Um, but now, growing up, I mean, now that I'm, you know, in my twenties, yeah, I hear it a lot more. I think people like um, foreigners of African descent always ask me where I'm from because, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to Morocco, there's so many different types of Moroccans. Right, you know, you can have very fair skin and like silky hair and still be Moroccan or you can have like very dark skin and still be Moroccan so people just automatically assume like okay they're a little more I guess open to like being light skin with curly hair and like being from Ethiopia or something like that um but in terms of like 
fetishization, I think I get it more so from men mm. yeah. than women. Um, and it's... Is it mostly black men or is it like... No, I, like when I was in Boston, I would hear it a lot. Like, oh, you know, your hair, you know, you know, you're, oh, you're, you're black and you have such nice hair and... It was always like a mix. Boston is like a whole yeah. Boston's a, that's thing. a whole other podcast. <laughs> it's like a whole. I've been to Boston once situation. for eight hours, and I have a whole we bunch a lot to say of about weird Boston. things in Boston. I didn't eat it. I didn't hate Boston, but like right. I understand why people have their, you know, they don't. They're not very fond of that city as a person of color. Yeah, it's very interesting. And then with like women, I think people for the most part ask me where I'm from. Okay. And then I, th- I think it's two things. Like, all right, if you're of African descent or like Latina de- or Latino descent, you know, you ask because, yes. like, it's, you know, you could be like Puerto Rican and light skin with curly hair. You could be like Ethiopian or you could be light skin black. But I think like black people in general have this thing where they, it has to be binary. Mm. Like, you have to, people like, okay, this is kind of like a little tangential, but a lot of my black friends, try to and I've experienced this my whole life a lot of black people will try to tell me that I look black and because of that I'm not Filipino they'll be like well you know what you look black so I mean like I would never know that you're Filipino and it's like all right that I'm glad thank you thank you but But my birth certificate (laughs) says exactly so it's like on one end it's like a lot of people are like oh you know what where are you from and on the other end it's like people just always black people just always want to like put me in my place like no you're black because you look black and if I didn't if you didn't tell me I mean white people have done this Asian people have done Mm -hmm. this if you didn't tell me that you're Filipino like I would just think that you're a light-skinned black girl. I've had a friend actually bring this, and we've been friends for a while, and maybe a few weeks ago she was like, I mean, because, you know, your hair is curly, so you just look light-skinned black to me, but kind of in a condescending way or something like, like, and it's just like, Honor my heritage, like yeah, honor like, the fact that I'm I'm biracial, African-American, and I am, <laughs> I am a product Filipino. of an interracial marriage. You cannot... Um, thank you. For, I don't even know why you needed to say that. Yeah. And then, she, and then, like, I think people have a tendency to be like, "Well, because you know, my great mom, grandmother was blah blah blah." <laughs> so then they feel like, so on one end, you're trying to make me seem, you're trying to make me feel like, oh, you're only black because you the whole like one drop rule, I guess. But on the other end, you're like, but I'm like three fourths this or like you know one eighth this or something like that. So it's just a very confusing thing. And I feel like black people always have a tendency to do that. Like they see everything as a binary thing, and if you look a certain way, you have to be a certain way. But like I am the product. I'm not. Not only am I the product of an interracial marriage, but like I, I grew up in a Filipino household. You know, right. my mom and my sister spoke their dialect and Tagalog. The entire time we were living together. So, like, I'm very familiar with the Filipino culture. I have... My entire family still lives in the Philippines. Like, thank you for saying that I don't look black. But, like, don't try to... Don't try to, like, make me disown who I am. Right. That's interesting because I get the flip side of it. Like, when men see me, depending on my hair, it's like, oh, you not regular black. I don't know why I make men that one, but whatever. And I'm like... I'm, I'm black. No, you, so you exotic. No, look at your skin, your body. And I'm like, are you calling me pretty? And they're like, oh, yeah, you pretty, but I know you're not regular black. And I'm like, so regular black girls can't be pretty? Like, exactly. It's, I get the flip of it, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong? Like, what? 
and you don't know how mm-hmm. to respond. You're just like, is it a comp? What are you saying? Like, I'm not okay. Bye. Yeah, and it's very unfair. I understand. I'm not okay. So I get the whole like mixed baby IG thing. Everyone's like, oh, I want to, I want to have like sex with this man who's of another race so I can have a blue-eyed, hazel-eyed, brown baby with curly hair. I understand why people are uncomfortable with that because it's that whole argument about the anti-blackness thing. Yeah. But And I get it. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to like disown mixed children because right, I'm the product of, right. a biracial, um, of a biracial marriage. But like, it's so much deeper than that. It's right. so much deeper than someone just liking a picture on Instagram. It's, it is so deep-rooted, and yeah. it, this is, like, the residual effects of slavery. Yes, you, straight up. You, the, 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 you know, this woman got raped by the slave master. She had a, a light-skinned baby with curly hair. She became a house nigga. Right. And then she got, and then, like, you know, she had, she was raped, and then she had a baby that kind of looked racially ambiguous, but she could pass for white. That so she advanced term. in life. And that still sticks with us. And today, that's why we have mixed baby IG. Right. And it's interesting because I feel like on one side, and like not even to like downplay Instagram accounts like that or whatever, because I do think to some extent it can be a celebration because I still feel like biracial people, and I could be wrong because I'm not biracial, but I still feel like biracial people could feel awkward and feel ostracized at times so it might be really nice to be able to go to i don't know something on social media and see babies that look like you and feel like they're embraced and they're celebrated but i feel like the way our particular community like the black community celebrates mixed babies actually that's not true i feel like in general like white people do it too it's a little creepy it's almost like you're not really embracing and celebrating you're you're like praising while shutting out someone else like you're praising the biracial aspect of this child while shutting out the idea of like full blackness or whatever i don't know how to explain it correctly but it's not the same as like oh this is a community where people who are very similar can talk and like share their experiences this is more of a community of ooh, i want to fetishize this child who has these mm-hmm. light eyes and they're not regular black or they're you know mixed and this makes them even prettier mm-hmm. I don't know it's like a weird thing that I feel like is happening with accounts like that or just even blogs like that I've seen some blogs like that I'm like what I mean you see it everywhere though if you think about media that's true and the characters that I mean you always see like two black parents and a mixed looking baby you know what I mean it's I mean it's like I or can like, agree with that yeah mm-hmm. or like a, you know a, a company I'm not even gonna name any companies but like let's say a company has been a certain way for so long and they want to be a part of this conversation and they want to be embracing of the diversity in America and so they hire a multiracial or multicultural looking model that can really be anything. anything. It's like <laughs> to racially be like, ambiguous you know what? is the thing. Yeah, racially ambiguous. You know what? We understand. We get it. Here's our multicultural model. And it's like, but no. We're part of the conversation. As opposed to hiring, like, someone that doesn't look, you know, right. racially ambiguous. Like, you're 100% Chinese, yeah. so you're black, or mm-hmm. you're whatever, like... Exactly. Whatever. I completely agree. I've seen so many commercials where... 
it's like, yes, kudos to you for embracing diversity. And yes, like we've heard all the statistics. I mean, I, don't quote me, but it's like by 2020 or something like that. The world is just going to look this is a mixed race. race <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> but there's still like a lot of Asian families that are, you know, maybe this girl is Chinese and her husband's Chinese. So why can't you show a Chinese girl and a Chinese mm-hmm. man and not a Chinese, a Chinese woman and a white man or yeah. a black man and a white woman? That's I sell. I've dated outside of my, like I celebrated. Do you? But there's also like black families like black man black woman it's not too black or too asian or whatever it is that you're trying to not it's multicultural (laughs) it's like okay but really so i guess i get lumped in that category like you could be a mom you could be the face of you know yeah i mean i've said that to you i'm not gonna lie i get it you know like all right i own it in a way yeah yeah because you get to talk to two different um Two different, like, I guess not, what would be the best word? You get to talk to two different audiences Mm -hmm. in a very authentic way that I think, like, I can't talk to an Asian audience in an authentic way. I can only ask questions and be sensitive to the culture, but it's kind of an advantage to be able to do that, you know? It's kind of like, can I talk to an Asian audience? (laughs) Well, you can talk to a Filipino audience. Okay, so to that point, I studied abroad in the Philippines, you know that. Yeah. And... You like I still had to I had to do the same thing I did in PG County. I had to be like, no, I'm biracial. Mm-hmm. You had to prove your Filipina <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were I like, had to mm, girl. that I was. I got a lot of stares, and that's a whole another conversation. But and we then some like five podcasts, <laughs> right? <laughs> the same thing that I got in PG County, I got when I was in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And all I want to do is just understand. <laughs> how everything fits together and it just it's there's no easy answer for it right yeah because people just see things in black and white when you go to the philippines and it's understand like in the philippines okay everyone kind of like looks the same way there's a population of like aborigines live in the mountain but they're ostracized just like aborigines in australia are they ostracized because are they because dark of their, or, yes they're okay. like your complexion like yeah. with curly hair they live in the mountains and people say they're like their original Filipinos, but they live in the mountains and they can't, they don't, you don't see them. I saw them because they live very close to where my parent, my um, mom grew up and where my family lives, mm-hmm. but they're not accepted in mainstream society. And then there's also a lot of, there are a lot of, um, I guess, bastard children who were a product of a military man coming over and having you know, having relations with Filipino women and never coming back. Oh, shit. And so, a lot of, I saw some, like, biracial, brown skin, obviously, like, black and Filipino um, natives there, and, and, you know, they weren't treated fairly either. And my sister, she's white and Filipino, and she looks biracial, but she also talks about how she wasn't treated fairly because she just looked different, you know? So she, she had really, cur- she was like really curly, bushy hair and mm-hmm. she got ostracized her whole life. So, you know, you're just trying to figure out where the fuck you fit in. <laughs> <laughs> just Everyone's just trying this. to tell you what you're not, you know? And I mean, it's like the least of my worries. I'm not complaining by any means. Like, I appreciate my upbringing. 
But everyone has, like, their own thing. I guess this was my thing growing up. Yeah. I was about to say, like, you know, to close it out, what do you, how do you feel about your heritage now? Like, how do you feel and be 100% with it? Like, do you feel completely happy and in tune with it? Do you, do you still struggle? Is it a day-to-day thing? Like, how are you doing about it? Doing, dealing with it now? (laughs) I'm out through phases. So, as I said, all through primary school, I was just like I'm black I'm gonna <laughs> denounce being Filipino and my mom passed away when I was 16 as you know yeah. but for listeners and so after that that kind of changes things yeah. you're just trying to hold on to the memory of your parent the parent that you lost and for me that was really embracing my Filipino culture so I went hard I was like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I like one study abroad in somewhere in like London or like somewhere typical but I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go Yeah, you was Philippines. out. <laughs> we both went like, to Temple. <laughs> she was out. I, I was knew like, okay. from the moment I stepped on campus, because I dealt with grief, like, all through freshman years. It was hard. It's like a monumental thing, leaving home and then going to Philly and then starting this new milestone. Yeah. So I was like, I, like, from the day I stepped on campus, I was looking for programs that studied abroad in the Philippines. And I found one through some random university in Florida, and I did my thing. Because I was just always in search of trying to reconnect with my heritage. And my family does... I mean, I have, like, a few family members that live in the U.S., but for the most part, they all live in the Philippines. Yeah. And so, for years, it was, like, me just trying to understand that side of me. Because, you know, you lose a parent that young. There's so many things that you don't... So many unanswered questions that you have about just everything. How your parents grew up, you know, like, what you eat for breakfast, how was your walk to school? You know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Study abroad for nine months. It was life changing. But today it's like, I, it's not like an everyday thing. I think, I still think about it in many ways. And I still feel like, because for me, I'm like very much, I identify with black culture. Right. I grew up in PG County. Most of my friends are black or like black in something. Yeah. I listen to black music, yeah. you know, I pretty much identify with black culture and hip hop culture. And so I'm always like trying to hold on to Filipino culture, whether it's like some tradition that my mom taught me or some food that I grew up eating. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I still hear those things like, oh, you know, you Oh, you, you, oh, who are you? Like, what are you? Yeah, you know, I've, where I've you? literally been with you when people yeah. say, what are you? And, and I, think I get it's so it often. Weird, I don't mind it. I mean, I'm so used to it, though. Yeah. Like, I've heard it my entire life. Like, okay, fine. You know, people think, I mean, people don't always guess black and Filipino. They think, like, Ethiopian or something. Which is fine, whatever. But then I also deal with, like, the flip side of people being like, no, you look black. You can't be this. I still, like I just told you, my friend literally told, I've been friends with her for years and she was like, well, you know, you're curly. Maybe if you straighten your hair and it was black, you would look some type oh of way. Gosh. So Whoever you would look Filipino, is, but you look black and then but, I wouldn't And it's just like, okay, but thank you. You know, whatever. So I don't fit the mold of what you think a biracial person looks like. So it's like, I constantly have to deal with those things. But yeah. I don't, but I'm more comfortable with who I am now than who I was growing up. I can own who I am and accept it, and I don't feel ashamed of it either. Yeah. And I think, I think my boyfriend also has a really big part in that too, because he I mean he's not biracial by any means, but he's 
like a first generation Ghanaian. So yeah. he's like, we're always talking about things that foreigners have in common, like things that you, things that your mom makes you do when you're like six <laughs> years, like go to random fish markets and like chop heads, you know, like random things. <laughs> That like my other friend, like my black friends or whoever else didn't really understand. So he's he's and he's always he's like trying to learn Tagalog, and we're like we're gonna take this class together, and we talk about the similarities between Ghanaian culture and or just like foreign cultures, I guess. Yeah. So I'm just comfortable with it now, but I do feel like I always have to fight to make it known, like not make it known, but like I don't want. I think for me, it's like I don't want. Because my mom passed away, I want to preserve that heritage. And yeah. I get kind of offended, I guess, when people tell me that I'm that I own that I look black and so I am black because I don't have whatever straighter hair or something like that. And it offends me because you know, like I don't want the memory of my mom to disappear because you feel like I don't fit the mold for being biracial. Yeah. I don't like it just makes me so upset when people say that like I was raised by a black dad and a Filipino mom and that's what it is so don't tell me that I can't be that right so it's like kind of it's just always trying to hold on to that and always trying to like preserve my heritage heritage and my ethnicity I guess yeah yeah I mean (laughs) no like you got me over here in my feelings (laughs) you've always you've never made me feel that way I'm a good friend. No, I I care though, and I like. I've always been interested in just knowing more about your Filipina background. Like, I need you to make me some Filipino food. Okay, I will ASAP. But no, I I feel like we both have gone through things like that, but just on the flip side. Mm-hmm. So it was just really interesting to hear you really explain it in depth tonight. That's why I love you. <laughs> Of the many reasons why, you know, there's so many reasons why I love you, but I'm just bae. so everyone knows, Melanie's always been supportive. I'm bae. I think we're so different, but so similar. I was about to say, we have we, so many opposite, but yeah, similar we're experiences. So, yeah, it's just, it's, and so it's always, we're complimentary, I guess, complimentary yeah. in the way that I don't pe- think people, I mean, I don't know if every friendship is like that, but I think it works to our advantage because it's, we're always supporting each other and uplifting each other. And maybe we're going through very similar experiences, but they're always very different. Yeah, I mean, always on a different exactly. like, side of the street, <laughs> but we're walking at the, the same, same time. Exactly. I, can, I can look across the street and be like, I see you, girl, but we like walking <laughs> exactly. on opposite sides of the street. Yeah. Always. And so we've just, I understand. I may not understand, but I kind of understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you've always been accepting and always curious and like if I think food is like a really big good example I've introduced when I was growing up maybe when I was in my teens or something like that there have been instances where I took someone to an Asian restaurant they saw something that they didn't agree with and they were just completely offended like a fish with a head on it Mm -hmm. oh absolutely not this is so disgusting, like, things, like, very, there's things you just don't say about someone's culture, and it hurt me. Exactly. And you, and to, and to you know, just to speak on our relationship, you've never, ever said that. And First of all, Julianka has me fighting people, <laughs> hand clap for the head. Whenever I get a whole fish, I will fight you in the restaurant. Don't touch the head. The head is the best part. It's the I'm best part. Especially, there was a spot called <laughs> Alberta. 
and flat is that Flatbush? I don't know what area that was. They closed. It was black owned. Rest in peace, Alberta. They <laughs> had the peace. bomb. What, what kind of fish was that? It was snapper. a snapper. Girl, what? Crispy. You can share it with another person. It was just perfect. But we had been there a couple of times, and there were moments when I feel like we was making eye contact <laughs> about who was going to eat the last part of the fish head. And I'm like, I mean. The head and the tail, man. I'm the the tail is the best when it's crispy. It's crispy. Mm. That joint lit. It's so lit. <laughs> no, I'm glad. I, I'm so glad that, like, I never offended you. Because I've always been curious. I've always wanted to know. And I also grew up with, I love my grandmother to death, but I grew up with a grandmother who would say, like, really kind of racist things or I guess mm-hmm. black people can't be racist but like prejudice things about other cultures and I'm like what in the mm-hmm. you can't say that <laughs> you know older people especially older black people they're like I can do whatever I want but I was just like I don't think that's appropriate so it kind of triggered something in me growing up but yeah I'm, I really appreciate you sharing this is the first podcast yay congrats How people listen thank you yes everyone subscribe <laughs> subscribe but no I hope it does like touch somebody because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of like black and Asian girls or just black and like like mixed race black girls who might like understand what you're going through or brown girls who understand what you're going through and it's like no one really talks about it in that very authentic way yeah we all have our story yeah I guess it's a wrap for episode one yay yay clink 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 Oh, you just, you barely, you pretty much finished your tequila. (laughs) All right, well, (laughs) you had a long day. (laughs) Well, thank you all for listening. Um, I don't really know what you're supposed to do, so I'm just going to say what people say on YouTube. (laughs) Like, comment, (laughs) subscribe, (laughs) because I don't do this on a daily yet. And share with a friend who you feel like might be able to resonate with Julianka's story. And of course, check out beautifullybrown.com. That's beautifully brown, not beautiful brown, because we will be <laughs> messing it up. Beautifullybrown.com for a new post featuring like brown girls and brown girl beauty topics. Okay, bye. bye.